0: Lord, thank you that I can be here. Help me not to mess things up. Amen. So I was on this little plane, and uh, I was looking out the window, and I saw this field of diamonds. I mean, it was unbelievably beautiful. So I said to the pilot, what is that? And he goes, I don't know. That's so beautiful. So he sa- I said, can you turn the plane around so we can see what it is? So he turned the plane around, and it wasn't a field of diamonds, but it was a junkyard. And it was... It was the sunlight reflecting off the junk. And I thought, isn't this kind of, kind of how the world is? You know what I mean? It's this illusion. It's like of, of what the world has to offer us. But then when we look more clearly at it, it, what it is is junk. And it's so crazy when we know God that we settle for garbage. You know, Jesus said that, that he didn't just come to save us, which is kind of the biggest point, right? I mean, you're here, here the, the ultimate life force, God himself. I mean, in New Zealand, this country of unspeakable natural beauty, you know, this God, he sent part of himself to the earth to rescue us, but he didn't just send his son to rescue us. Then he said, I want to use you to change the world. You know, I want to do something supernatural in your life. And so this is where true riches lie in knowing Jesus. And so, and God doesn't just produce normal. You know, when we, are, when we know God, it doesn't just produce a normal life. I mean, that's, how could that even be possible? He calls us to live a different kind of life. Jesus said in John 14, 12, that if we are his followers, we will do even greater things than he did when he was on the earth to bring glory to God. Jesus said, that there's a great harvest and there are few workers. And so all these things, they kind of, I, why is this? You know, it's like Jesus said that if you are my follower, you will do even greater things than I did to bring glory to God. And then Jesus said, but there's a great harvest and few workers. Why? And then the last thing that Jesus said to us before he was taken up into heaven was in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus calls us to go to all nations and preach the good news. Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so here's Peter. He's a small business owner. He has a successful business. He owns his own boat. And I think he had people working for him. And he knew who Jesus was. He saw Jesus do miracles. He heard Jesus speak. He called Jesus master. Because he understood that Jesus was special. There was something unique about Jesus. So when when Jesus said to Peter, Hey Peter, I want to use your boat to speak to the people. He probably thought, he was special. I would. Right? I mean, there's all these fishermen. Who does Jesus ask? He asked him. And so he's going, wow, Jesus must think, uh, he sees something in me. You know, he, maybe he thought, Jesus wants cool people on his team. You know, so he looked at me and he thought, Peter, he's the guy I want. So Peter's like, yeah, cool, you can be in my boat, no worries. So they're out Jesus is speaking. And, uh, and so then, when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I know you haven't caught any fish all night. You know, can you imagine? He hadn't got any sleep. So Peter is probably in a bad mood, you know, with no sleep and not catching any fish. So Jesus said, listen, just go out into the deep water and, and put down your nets for a catch. And, and Peter says, Master, We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. It's kind of like Peter was going, Jesus, you are the teacher of spiritual truth. I am the fisherman. You need to stay in your area. <laughs> Come on. But he's, he wasn't going to be disrespectful. So he said, okay, Jesus. It'll, I think it was kind of patronizing. It's like, okay, Jesus, if it makes you feel better. I'll put down my net. So, so they put down their nets. And when they did so, they got such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats. And, the, and then the boats began to sink. And then Peter, he saw this. And he fell at Jesus' feet. And he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You know, here's a, boats. It's hard to really picture this, you know, but it's like these boats are filled with fish and they're sinking. They're so heavy. And Peter falls into the, into the like on top of the fish, and he falls before Jesus. And he goes, Jesus, depart from me. It's like two weeks ago, it's about two weeks ago. When we're in New Zealand, we live, we're in Kapiti. We live in Kapiti Coast. And uh, where there was an earthquake, not a really big one, it's like a five-five, but it was, uh, it was in the middle of the night. But what made this earthquake unusual was it was so noisy because we live by the sea. And it sounded like a freight train was coming from the sea to our house. It was so loud. It was, you know, and, and so that's what made it frightening. You know, and I have a friend who lives in Sumner in Christchurch. And so he was there when the big earthquakes happened down in Christchurch, the really big earthquakes. And he said some of those quakes, he said it literally felt like a train. He used the same language. Like this freight train was coming through our house. And we have this community page on the Cavity Coast online community page. And people were talking about it you know, and a lot, most of these people, they don't believe in God at all, but they're saying it was like God's power was being, was being proclaimed by this earthquake. And this is what it was for Peter. He wasn't just like going, oh, look at all these fish. He was seeing the power of Jesus his power over nature because how holy he is. It's like when I was in, uh, when I was a young man in university and I was in, I was in Europe and I saw this this street drama, and I thought I was kind of stupid. You know, I was a cynical, cool guy, and I saw this street, street drama about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit just came on me, and I was like, I felt almost like I, people would have thought I was drunk because I was staggering under the weight of it. And I went out into this field outside of Venice in Italy, and I wept because I so understood that Jesus is so holy, and he's so powerful. But it's interesting, isn't it? It was when Peter was at the feet of Jesus, when he was afraid of Jesus, that he heard his calling. It wasn't when he was the the confident guy in the boat. Hey, yeah, you can use my boat. And argues with Jesus when Jesus tells him to lay down the, you know, to go out into the deep water. It was that Jesus on his knees, it was that Jesus was saying, I don't saying, I don't deserve to be around you. It was this Jesus that he understood. And then he heard his call. Then Jesus said to Peter, you are not going to be a fisherman. You are from now on, you are going to fish for men. Catching men. And I think what Peter thought in his heart was, you are so amazing. You are so powerful. I don't deserve to be in your presence. And you're calling me to work with you, to do something for you. That's why you see the reaction in verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything. Left everything to follow Jesus. You see, Jesus did not give Peter a backup plan. Jesus did not say, hey, Peter, keep your fishing business and follow me on the weekends. Or maybe you could do a short, short-term thing with me, you know, during the summer for a couple of weeks. What Jesus demanded of Peter was extraordinary. It was extreme. It was crazy obedience. Jesus said, it's always been this way with Jesus. He was saying these crazy things like, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He talks about following him like it's a narrow road. Not a wide road, a narrow road. Jesus said following him was 100%. It was all or nothing. Not even about having success. One of the guys that I really mentored me when I was a young man, Arthur Blessed, he said to me, David, God didn't call me to succeed. He just called me to obey. So it's not even about success. Why? Why? Why would I do something so crazy, leave my boat on the shore and follow Jesus? When I understand this, Jesus, what else can I do? What other choice do I have? You see, Jesus is this, this treasure in a field. You know, you, you discover that there's this, you know, you, there's a field here in Phangarei, and it's got like an oil well in it worth, you know, billion dollars. So you go, man, I've got to get that field. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to get as much money as the bank will give me. I'm going to sell everything I own because I want to get that field because there's an oil well that nobody knows about in that field, and I'm going to be a billionaire. Or it's like this pearl that has it's it's so it's priceless, but the guy who's selling it he doesn't know he doesn't know that, and so you sell everything to get this pearl that is worth so much. Like I was saying earlier, one of the guys that works that we do a lot of work with, in fact, we're doing something with him in Japan in a, in a, in March. Uh, Brian Head Welsh from Corn. Um, in the 90s, he was, his band was one of the most popular bands in the world. He had fame. He had fortune. He had everything the world would tell you, would make what you would want. And he said, you know, I've had all these things. And I looked around, and it was worth nothing. Nothing. It's like Paul. Paul the apostle, highly educated Pharisee high position, Roman citizen. And he says, when I, cons- I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. Garbage that I may gain Christ. Philippians 3, 8. It's about finding true purpose and finding meaning It's in a world full of meaninglessness, void of purpose, a slave to the lies of this world. It's about finding true meaning. When you meet Jesus, Jesus says, I am not a mistake. I am not a mistake. You are my son, not a slave. You are my daughter. You are forgiven. Now follow me. We have missionaries working in our mission now from all over the world. One of, we have, uh, one of our missionaries is from Russia. Her name is Veronica. She was working in a governmental job in Russia, being poised to be the next minister of education in Russia. Really Dynamic, young girl. They were, so she was going to be the, they're saying could be the next minister of education in Russia. God broke into her heart. She felt a call to mission. So she left this prestigious job to be a nanny for some rich people. Part-time. From the minister of education in Russia to being a nanny. Part-time. So she would have the time to be, fulfill this call as a mission. In missionary, And already she's having an impact all over the Russian-speaking world. And her goal is that she could be a full-time missionary. And maybe there's some people sitting, maybe there's somebody sitting here this morning that needs to help her do that. All she needs is a $1,000 a month. Maybe somebody here needs to take that on and help her do that. But then there's like George from Beirut, Lebanon. Oh, what I forgot to mention with Veronica is When she made this decision, her family didn't understand. Her Christian parents, I don't know why, they were like criticizing her. Are you sure? This doesn't seem very sensible. But despite this opposition from her family, she did it. And now they're being blessed. And then there's George from Beirut, Lebanon. Dynamic apologist, teacher, and he has this passion to be a pastor, and he asked for prayer just a couple of days ago because he's having so much opposition from his Christian parents who are saying to him, be normal, get a normal job, and then you can go to church. So many of our radical young missionaries around the world find the greatest opposition to their calling to missions coming from their Christian parents. Well, you know, my oldest son, Aaron, when he came to me, when he had finished, you know, he he was finished university and had a business degree. He was uh, in this company. The head of the company was grooming Aaron to be like one of the heads of this company. I mean, he had taken Aaron on and Aaron was going to, Be in this company and was going to make loads of money, and then one day my son Aaron came to me and said, "Dad, I don't. I feel like I can't do this. I feel like I'm called to missions. I feel I'm called to work with you." And I'm like, "No. (laughs) God can use you as a in business. You know, we need business people. Aaron, you can make all kinds of money and support your dad." No, and then I I remember I was feeling so convicted. I I felt like God said to me, are you going to rob your son? Are you going to rob your son of the amazing life he can have for something secure and safe? Do I want my son to have a successful fishing business, or do I want my son to be a world changer for Jesus? How many in the church actually encourage their children not to have radical, Holy Spirit-inspired faith? I mean, God isn't calling anyone to sell everything they own and move to the Congo, is he? That's a quote from a pastor. Well, yeah, actually, I think he is. I got a, my mom said to me a few years ago, well, actually in 2012, David, I have a verse for you. And I thought, oh, cool, a verse for me. Maybe it's the prayer of Jabez or whatever that is, you know, that I will be prosperous and my tent will grow and all that kind of thing. So I thought, and she presented to me at Christmas with my dad, all wrapped up in this like really nice glass case and everything. So I thought, oh, what's my verse? So I, here, here's my verse, Acts 20, 20 through 24 And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, knowing knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. (laughs) However, I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. How many have parents like that? I mean, I don't know if that's a blessing or not, but Peter left his boat on the shore, and it involved great risk. He took a risk. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." A Christianity that requires no fake faith is fake. And a faith without risk is fake. And it's powerless. And it's not what will fill this longing, this passion inside of my heart. It will not fill the hunger in my soul. One time, I was in my early days. I felt I should go on this speaking tour in Russia with my wife, Jody. I was getting all kinds of opposition. Everyone was saying, you can't, I can't get into all the politics of it this morning. But I was getting a lot of opposition. So I called someone up went up. I know Dr. Arthur Rowner a guy that was helping me. And I said, Arthur, I feel like if I don't obey God, my whole life will be a failure if I don't go on this speaking tour. And Arthur said to me, well, you have two choices, David. One is you can move to Fergus Falls, Minnesota. That's in the U.S. It would be like going to, I don't know, Otaki or I don't know, some little town in New Zealand. Picture some small little town. And he says, you can move to this, to Fergus Falls, Minnesota. You can pump gas, you know, work at a petrol station, and you can be a burned out missionary. He said, that's option number one. Option number two is that you risk it all. Maybe you'll lose your friends. Maybe you'll lose your band. Maybe you'll lose everything. But if you want to do something Significant with your life, you need to take Holy Spirit-led risks. And a result of that tour was, we did this this tour all over Siberia, in Mongolia, in Uzbekistan, churches were planted. And yesterday, I put a thing on my social media talking about how I'm speaking here in New Zealand. So people were saying, oh, are you going to come to Christchurch or whatever? And then I look and one guy goes, are you going to come to Mongolia? I went, Mongolia? And he goes, well, actually, you were here in 91 when there was no church. He said, there was no church, nothing. You went to Dahran. I remember I go there. There's like only 100 believers in all of Mongolia when I went there. And I, he said, I heard your message. I gave my life to Jesus. And now he's a radical church planter all over Mongolia. The only way you will experience the life you are called to is if you take Holy Spirit-led risks. Like Chip Ingram, he's a guy in our podcast. He wrote a book, Good to Great in God's Eyes. And he said, it's like this. God gives you five loaves and two fish. And he says, now do impossible things with it. And then he asks you to do that for the rest of your life. Many say, I will follow you, Jesus, if I have everything I need, if everything is set up, if it's a sustainable thing. You know, I hear that all the time you know, in missions today, if it's sustainable, what is this? What are you talking about? This business model for the church. Or even more popular today is, I will follow you, um, you know, a week or two every year when I, and then when I can kind of pass off my fishing business to someone else, but then I'll come back to my business. So the world burns and, and most of Jesus' followers go fishing. Why is it that is Jesus, why is it that so few people go? Is it because this is what God wants? You know, it's like God saying, yeah, you know, I think it's good that New Zealand is in the shape it's in. You know, and I just call a couple of people to, to be, you know, to go in a, an extraordinary way. It's just kind of how I like to do it. Or could it be we are refusing to leave our boats on the shore? Maybe following Jesus means you actually have to follow Jesus. Yes, some people are called to own businesses. Yes. And if you are, you better be using that money to support guys or girls like Monica from Russia. That's why he's called you. Because if you are called to own a business, it's to support the Great Commission. And if you're called to have a normal job, you are supposed to be supporting the Great Commission in your job. Like a friend of mine who's a security guard at a grocery store in Amsterdam. Glenn, he works at a, he's a security guard at a grocery store. And he goes, I go to work every day going, who am I going to pray for? You know, I don't know if there are people trying to steal food or what. But who am I going to pray for at the grocery store? Who am I going to lead to Jesus? He is as much in mission as anybody I know. Jesus does not... Call anyone to be just normal in society and seek the world's empty lies. Every Jesus follower is called to mission to, and to fulfill the great commission. Jesus calls us to go into all the world and make disciples. And this is why we were put here. This is not some, okay, I'll do it because it's my religious duty. No, it's when you become alive. You know, I'm, this is now the 40th year for me of full-time ministry, 40 years I'm 66. I'll be 67 in November. And I have never been more alive. So grateful. This is why you do it. Because it's like that airplane looking at all the trash. You know so many followers of Jesus look like settled for, the, for a junkyard. Jesus does not offer me a backup plan. Jesus said, no one who puts a hand in the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you what, this is a life worth living. This is, this is, what, this is what it's all about, a life with no regrets. And I know I haven't done everything perfectly, even this morning. I was praying and saying, God, I, I'm sorry that I make it hard. For you to use me, you know, I'm sorry that I'm such a slow learner. But if, if the big earthquake happened again and I was standing before God, I know it would be hard, you know, for my family if I had to go now, but I would have no regrets because I know that I have done my best. I've done my best. I gave up my best. And he wants you to feel the same way about your life. And it's never too late to start. This isn't a message for any, for young or old or anything like that. As long as you're alive, you can leave your boat on the shore. You know, it's, it's, this is a message for all of us. And you, you know what that, God will, and if you're going, well, I don't know what that means, you know, what does that mean? Well, he'll show you, you know, if you just honestly say to him, Lord, I don't know what to do with this message. Well, He'll show you what to do with it, He will.